It's 4.14 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And we are very happy to have in the studio today Mr. Emmett Kieser. He is Regional Supervisor for the GF&P, who will let us, uh, and we're going to talk about pheasants. Pheasants, it's almost that time of year. Those little critters scurrying all over the place. Emmett, thanks for coming in. Yeah, you bet. Glad to be here, Patrick. Glad to join the show and uh, talk a little bit about our favorite subject, pheasants. So the opener is when? What's the actual number of the date? You know, third Saturday in October is the traditional opener. Mm -hmm. Of course, the week before that, there's a special resident-only season uh, from the 14th to the 16th, the three-day event. And then uh, the week prior to that, first weekend in October is kids' time, the uh, youth hunt. You know, it's interesting that the the resident, you have that period for residents, but it still seems like people want to go out on the traditional opener. Yeah, and it, a lot of a lot of folks wait for relatives to show up, and you know, a lot of the landowners uh, hold their lands, you know, and, and uh, keep them for that traditional opener. And uh, you know, it's just South Dakota is a very welcoming state, you know, for non-resident hunters, and we like. To Hi, this is Chad. And, and uh, relatives and uh, all sorts of folks come back and visit us, and uh, so it's you know, it's 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 kind of a like a holiday almost oh yeah it's a big day in south dakota we're welcoming we welcome all the money yeah yeah (laughs) exactly and you know that is a a benefit to our state and in our state businesses you know whether you're in the restaurant business or you're in the sporting goods business uh gas stations uh you know they uh, they all enjoy the uh the opportunity for for fall absolutely so everybody wants to know emmett how are the numbers you know, a little tougher year this year than uh, than last year. You know, probably be somewhat similar to 2013. Um, you know, from 2016, we're probably down, you know, statewide. And again, this is a statewide average. Mm-hmm. On average, about 45% is what our our uh, pheasants per mile count show. But um, down 45%. Down that's 45%. It's that's pretty significant. But uh, you know, even uh, though you know we'll be pretty similar to what the 2013 season uh, uh, held for our state. Even then, we we harvested just under a million pheasants, so hmm. that's still uh, still substantial, and it's still the best uh, best thing going in in the uh, continental U.S. for for hunting pheasants. So. Yeah, so even when the total numbers down, you may have to just work a little harder. Is that right? The deal? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dogs and uh, you know the uh, hitting that heavy cover. You know, it's gonna gonna be interesting to see how crop harvest progresses. You know, that's always a big deal this yep. time of year. And get and, the uh, uh, cover down, right? Yep. Yep. The uh, Corn and especially, you know, beans are really starting to turn now and some of the corn's turning mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, won't be long we'll be taking crops out of the field and uh, our landowners will be really busy with that uh, fall harvest time. But um, really looking forward to, I think, a lot of people getting out in the field and just seeing what's out there and, yep. and uh, you know, enjoying the day. We're here with Emmett Kieser. He is a regional supervisor for the GFNP and he's stationed in Sioux Falls now, but he was for many years in Pier, is that correct? I was. I enjoyed my time out in Pier. I served as assistant director for the wildlife division for about 25 years. Uh, essentially, I was a chief game warden and uh, oversaw field operations staff across the state. Oh, wow. We moved back to Sioux Falls. So we have a special needs daughter, and uh, we were fortunate the opportunity existed for us to move back here and for me to assume this position. Yeah. And so that worked out well for us. Um, so the numbers on the, the, the pheasant numbers are down uh, at drought is that the primary reason yeah you know it was a pretty pretty tough uh, winter in some parts of the state although you know our our winter wasn't as tough uh, down the southeast but um, you know drought was uh, really uh, probably the biggest factor here this year um, the uh, young birds really require you know a high production of uh, insects they uh, you know first uh, mm-hmm. A couple months of their life, they're solely reliant on insects to uh, feed them and, and uh, provide moisture even. And uh, so with the uh, drought conditions, you know, over much of the state uh, at the time that the birds came off the nest, um, 
chick survival really suffered uh, just with the lack of bugs and insects and uh, so that was probably the primary factor you know just on the annual basis long term you know i think we're still very concerned about the loss of uh, for example crp habitat yeah since 2007 we probably lost just under 600,000 acres of prime nesting cover and, and that's that's gr crp is it was the federal program that uh essentially you enrolled your uh, as landowners you can enroll your land you get payments from the federal government to keep it not cropland essentially right. grow grass right and there's a you know a, a certain grass species that were planted in there that were highly conducive to pheasant uh, nesting and and in fact crp was primarily responsible for some incredible number growth in the pheasant numbers in south dakota over the years oh right? huge yeah. huge huge and i you know i would say it's had just as positive an effect on our waterfall and, and even our deer population and uh, you know it's uh, certainly a big loss when we lose those acres and you know, with the uh, crop prices, uh, you know, down in the dumps now, uh, last couple of years, um, we're hoping that there may be, be some uh, opportunities for landowners to enroll in some kind of conservation programs here in the coming farm bill. So that would be good for the birds and the habitat for sure. Right. And it's also good for uh, uh, water quality, uh, which yeah. affects wildlife. Exactly. There are a lot of things that benefit, uh, you know, runoff is uh, retained, you know, in, in those grassland areas. We've got that uh, buffer strip program now that's uh, been put in place here. Uh, here just last year but um, you know grassland in general is really important to uh, uh, pheasants and, and a lot of upland nesting birds deer uh, one of the challenges we've had Patrick you and I talked that uh, you know we've lost a tremendous amount of small grain hayland um, and pasture land uh, over the last uh, gosh 27 years and uh, as as beans and corn especially right. soybeans the, right the the onset of roundup ready beans was a huge revolution in South Dakota, right? Because it expanded soybeans everywhere. Exactly. And what did that? But what did that do to pheasant numbers? Why? What's the correlation there? You know, with the uh, the uh, advent of those kinds of cropping practices, you know, there was a, just a general overall trend to uh, you know not go to uh, you know some of the small grains. Um, a lot of grasslands were unfortunately removed and and uh, um, you know planted a row crop and and you know it's just a part of the farm economy. You know the can't expect our our producers out there to uh, to not do their best to make money and and uh, so they're they're really you know obligated to do what they can to to make ends meet and uh, they got bills to pay and kids to send to college and young ones to put shoes on so but those challenge. three factors together all kind of happen at the same time one uh the uh, the changes in the varieties of beans yep. two the uh the prices went way up yeah, and that uh, that resurgence in price, you know, really created that incentive for people to plant more acres and look for ways to optimize production. Yeah, and then we had we had available land. Some of that land had never been tilled. Correct, and uh, that's the that's the long term challenge is for us to develop uh, conservation practices that uh, provide it. You know, we can provide some financial incentives to our producers to uh, get them to take a look at those uh, kind of opportunities. Something like we did with. Uh, we uh, call it the Conservation Reserve Enhancement or CREP mm -hmm. program over mm -hmm. in the James River Valley. We partnered with USDA and were able to uh, work with producers and and uh, enrolled 80,000 acres into a program that provides not only good habitat through the CRP program, but our department piggybacks payments on top of that really creates a real incentive for those producers, and mm -hmm. that provides hunter access. Because the reason that farmers, many of them, were taking their land out of CRP is the payments were not as they were not enough to make it worth it. Right. So the states come in and tried to put, we, we don't have a lot of money, right? Right. And, you know, the uh, the farm bill is really what the driver is on, on uh, you know, the uh, 
conservation programs. You know, the states had a, a pheasant restoration program back in the late 70s and it was more of a demonstration program. Even at the peak, I think we spent over a million dollars on this program, only enrolled about 26,000 acres. So, you know, compared to almost 2 million acres under, you know, the peak of the CRP program, it, uh, you know, it was just a, a, a drop in the bucket. So conservation programs are, are really important. Lots of producers out there really enjoy seeing wildlife on their property. Um, you know, they've got to look to wait, uh, for ways to make ends meet. And, and if there are options out there that available to them where we can create these incentives, I think that will be helpful. As the GF&P Game, Fish, and Parks, um, you guys are kind of in a tough spot because you're an advocate for wildlife habitat, wildlife management, um, recreation, uh, and but you have to balance that against the the huge need of uh, this that the state depends on agriculture. Yep. And so, how, I mean, why should we? I, I understand why we should care about planting and making sure that the agricultural economy is healthy. That's sort of obvious. But why should we care about the other side? Why should we care about habitat beyond just pheasant numbers? really uh you know it speaks to quality of life and i think that's why people stay in south dakota you know people grow up here and they they stay here they come back here you know after having left uh, because of the quality of life and you know there's a lot of things involved in that it's a real life uh, style we enjoy here um, but it's the opportunities we have in the great outdoors you know whether it's fishing or hunting uh, pheasants being one of those uh, species that people really enjoy hunting um, like i say a kind of a carnival atmosphere great family day you know to yeah get in the field with folks and uh, that's where you know it's really important for our agency to really look for ways to partner with producers 80 percent or more of the, the land in south dakota is privately owned and they uh, they host a lot of hunters and they produce a lot of wildlife on our private land so we look for ways to partner with private landowners yeah and you the state has programs has worked hard in the last several years decade to increase the access of average hunters Right. And, and how is that going? It's going well. Um, you know, I think we always strive to try and uh, uh, provide quality access. You know, anytime we sign lands up, we're looking for areas that have uh, good uh, areas that uh, provide habitat for wildlife and provide good hunting opportunities, whether it's slough land, uh, good CRP, um, other lowland areas, you know, that maybe aren't the best for agriculture, but they sure make for some good hunting. And so we try and uh, they, we actually have a price incentive uh, uh, that's provided for those uh, those areas that are are basically set aside for for wildlife and, and I, I have I have kind of a question that's that's it's about habitat and it's about wildlife how can how can we have so many geese in this town can we <laughs> can we have a season on urban geese set in the realm of possibility Emmett actually uh, funny you mentioned that uh, we have a uh, metro goose season and we actually have a oh. delayed opener here in, in uh, the Sioux Falls metro area principally to allow us to harvest these geese later into the year what will happen is uh, you know although we have uh, and produce a fair number of geese locally here we also have geese that will come into the city from the surrounding areas mm -hmm. They stay late, and uh, so we're allowed now with this delayed opener here. In sort the of like Garth Brooks area. fans. Right. <laughs> right. right. They come they in from the countryside, and they stay late. They come in from the countryside, the countryside late. and droves, stay late, and uh, no. But the, uh, <laughs> you know, the opportunity, I think, is, is that we're, we're uh, again, this, uh, I think, is our fourth year of this Metro Goose uh, season. Creates some really great opportunity late in the year because those birds are congregated here in the city, and we really need to reduce those numbers as best we can. You know, safety concerns and, and uh, crop depredation, you know, for local producers mm -hmm. is really important and something we work on. So, 
So what you're what I'm hearing you say here is that if some of the urban geese mysteriously disappear in the night, nobody's going to come. <laughs> well, I won't say it that way. <laughs> I had a great idea. I thought we should have a goose fest where, you, you know, r- local restaurants could harvest geese and then we'll have some sort of contest to make because you know, nobody wants to eat the things, right? They're, 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 they're gross. Actually, you know, if you cook them well, and I've some of the best goose I've had has been made into sausage, and it's outstanding. Really? It's outstanding. Well, let's get that going because we, we got to cut down the geese in this town. <laughs> uh, back to pheasants real quick. Yeah. What uh, um, the, you, the, you said the numbers are down 45%. Are, are, where are the areas? Where's going to be the good spots? You know, the traditional areas out in the central part of the state will still be darn good. You know, even though... Uh, you know, the areas from Piran North into Gettysburg and, and Oneida, Sola County up in Potter County, you know, suffered uh, some pretty significant drought. They're still going to have some birds out there. Um, you know, in our, our neck of the woods down here in the southeast, probably west of Sioux Falls, you mm-hmm. know, towards that uh, Plankenton Mitchell country. Yeah, people like to just go out, take an afternoon, go out, shoot some birds and come back, right? Right. And I would, uh, I'd send them out to uh, western Hutchison County and, and Hanson County and uh, look at some of those crep areas to hunt. So right on. Well, Emmett. Thank you, Emmett Kieser. He's a regional supervisor from the Game Fishing Parks Department. We're going to have you back because that was outstanding. Great. Glad Thank- to be here and appreciate the opportunity, Pat. Coming up after the news, it's Jonathan Bleeker. He's an oncologist with Sanford Health, and we'll talk about cancer rates in rural areas. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 